and welcome, or should say good afternoon and welcome. We've got Sebastian Pasquale. We're having a few internet issues. It's my side, Sebastian. Don't worry. You're all good. You've got good strength. I've got sad strength right now. But look, we've got this young man on the show and I've been looking forward to this. How are you today, mate? Yeah, I'm good. Thanks. Good to be here. Thank you. And look, we're, uh, we're super excited by this show. I uh, love uh, just hearing lots about you. There's, you know, you tick a few boxes. You're Susie and Tony's son, but, you know, you're an A-League player in, in what is I term as the best game in the world. So thanks, Heath, for joining us and giving us your time today, mate. Yeah, no worries. Now, I just want to talk um, just a little bit about your background. Some of those, some people watching may not understand um, what your background is, but you, you're, you're quite the A-League player. You've come from, in 2016, the Melbourne Victory debut as an A-League senior player. In 2016-17, Melbourne Victory National Youth League team. In 2017 to 2019, which we'll talk about, you were signed with Ajax Amsterdam. I think I've said that right. Netherlands, under-19s, under-23s. And also during that time, you captained the young Socceroos at the AFC Asian Cup. And then 2019, represented Oli Roos at the AFC Champions Cup. And now you're an amazing player signed with... Western United, brilliant stuff, mate. Brilliant stuff. How does it feel to have that read back to you? Yeah, it's pretty. Um, <clears throat> makes me feel pretty happy. Um, yeah, it feels like I've um, feels like I'm on the right path. Um, nowhere near where I want to be yet, but um, yeah, I've definitely had some good uh, some good experiences uh, so far. Brilliant. Now we've got um, certainly a, a, a jam packed show today with a whole bunch of students that have either ask questions beforehand, but will be joining us as well. But as we look at these different achievements, which one stands out as the most favourite, the one you've loved most, the most rewarding for you? Um, I think um, moving over to uh, Amsterdam to play at Ajax for a better part of uh, three years was um, yeah, a pretty big experience. Um, you know, I, I learned both um, a lot of stuff about myself personally and also improve myself as a footballer a lot um so i think yeah that's sort of been my greatest um achievement and uh, learning experience so far what a three years that must have been i mean let's face it it would have been tough being away from home Mama's cooking dad's cooking i know they're fantastic cooks but it would have been tough being away from home and, and i know the sacrifice you had to make to be there but what a rewarding experience which we'll get into in a second but where did it all start for sebastian pasquale when did you know at what age did you know and what happened for you to go, you know what, I'm gonna, I want to do this, I want to focus everything on this sport? Um, so it's a little bit hard to put an age on it, I think. Like it just sort of grew over time, I guess. Yeah. Um, uh, I guess maybe when I made my first state team, I think, which was uh, at SSV in the under-12 schoolboys team um, when I was, uh, I think, just turned 11. Um so I think, yeah, around that time, I sort of thought that, um, you know, it'd be pretty cool to, you know, give everything to football and, um, you know, try and become a professional footballer and one day, you know, have that as my job. Um, but I think, like, yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say, um, uh, I wouldn't call it my job, you know. It's more of a, it, I don't know, it's a game at the end of the day, football, and um, I'm just lucky enough to be able to, do it, do it every day, and um, and uh, yeah, I, I just consider myself pretty lucky to be able to do it because I enjoy it so much. 
which is so good. And, and we'll talk about the enjoyment factor a little bit later on, but that enjoyment factor, in fact, a factor is so important for you to continue on in the sport. Now, you mentioned Team Vic and, and being part of Team Vic, and we won't embarrass you with these cute little photos we've got of little 10, 11, 12-year-old Sebastian playing. But back then, it would have been your Olympics or your your almost A-league signing, right? As a little kid making a national team, that would have meant something special to you? Yeah, I think so. Um, I think, um, you know, as you go through trials and you get through each stage um, and you realise, like, how many kids are also um, trying to get into the same team, I think you sort of feel like, um, you know, you do deserve to be in a representative squad and um, and then you get to, get, you know, travel interstate um, uh, to play against all the other states and it's, it feels like a pretty big occasion and, um, you know, with that comes all the nerves and, and all the excitement of, um, you know, playing in a um, national championships. And, um, yeah, I think that was just a really big experience, um, you know, both the footballing aspect but also, you know, travelling to play soccer. It was um, my first sort of um, flight, I think it was, actually. Um, <laughs> and, um, yeah, I think it was actually in Newcastle, Nelson Bay, so it was a pretty nice area. And, Beautiful. Um, yeah, it was really enjoyable. Time. Very good. Now you um, you went to Maribyrnong Sports Academy, and and they certainly um, got right behind you as a, a champion footballer and, and set you up. What about primary school? Where, how did they feature in your sporting pathway? Um, so yeah, I went to primary school at St Bernard's Primary School in Wangaratta. It's yep. a little country town, and um, yeah, I guess um, they sort of just provided me with the. Uh, like they do with any young young kid, I guess. The, I think the biggest thing that they did for me was um, wouldn't get angry at me when I uh, didn't come to class on time after lunchtime or recess because I was out <laughs> still playing soccer with my mates. Um, but, no, nah, I think they sort of supported me along the way. I remember they used to um, – they did a few fundraisers for me um, in preparation for the national championships with SSV. And, um, yeah, they got right up behind myself and – any other sort of aspiring young sportsman, um, yeah, and made sure that we were um, we deserve uh, that we got the uh, attention that um, we deserved, and um, yeah, along with that, they also provide a very good education. <laughs> I'll bet, I'll bet. And what was it like at Maribyrnong? Like, what did Maribyrnong do to shape you as a, as a um, the A League champion that you are now? Um, yeah, I learned a lot uh, at Maribyrnong, to be honest. Um, I learned how to sort of balance my education with um, my sporting um, uh, sporting life as well, and um, they gave that massive flexibility that I needed to be able to leave school early at times for training, and gave me extra extensions on completing work tasks as well. Um, and yeah, I, I think I really learned a lot about um, how important other aspects of training is, so recovery and strength training and nutrition um and yeah i think i definitely um got an edge while i was at maribyrnong because i was able to do sort of extra training as well as training with my club um and that sort of ingrained a lot of good habits into me that's right and it probably would have helped towards strength and conditioning having a gym at school and you know it it pretty be pretty cool to 
drop your maths books and get into the gym, do, do a training session and then get yeah. into the next class. That, yeah. that sounds like it does sound like an amazing school and I've heard certainly lots of good stuff about it. We've got a question that's coming from a Aaron Tarrant, I hope they said that right, from Thornbury Primary School. What did you have to do to become an A-League player? Now, I don't know if you've been asked this before, but we certainly have that asked of you because you're, you're a young guy who is doing so well. But, you know, if you could pinpoint two or three things, what would you say to that? Um, I would say keep enjoying, keep enjoying playing football and playing soccer because that's ultimately what's going to keep you um, improving and keep you practising and, um, you know, play and touch the ball as much as you can, you know, whether that's um, training with your team or playing with your mates. And, you know, also um, I think it's really important to realise that um, you need to, you know, have a have an outside life as well away from football and, um, you know, be a normal kid as well and go to birthday parties and go to the movies and enjoy yourself as well because, you know, that's going to make you, I think, better when you are playing the game it's going to yeah. mean that you know you're you're um you're ready to give everything when you are training and you are playing so yeah that's good we've got some special guests that are just about to join us hopefully soon um they're just wanting to switch their camera on but how, how have you kept that fun factor in sport because I, I actually do know you really do love the sport and you don't count it as a, a job like you just said but how have you kept the fun element um yeah, it's, it's something I've had to learn because, like, at times I can, can become pretty intense um, with my training and with, with everything. Um, so, yeah, I think sometimes I just sort of need to take a step back and take a few breaths and um, realise that, you know, like, um, it is just a game and um, winning or losing isn't life and death. And There's a lot more other important things um, in the world at the moment. But, you know, I think... Realizing that you know when you're at when you're at training or you are playing, you know just to give everything, so you don't you don't have any um, regrets when you are, you know, when you're having dinner at night, you're not sort of regretting that you didn't give everything at training or you didn't give everything in the game. And I think if you can if you can be happy with that, and um, then you should be able to still enjoy football and whether or, whether or not it's a, a good game or a bad game or you won or you lost. Look, we're going to try and bring uh, Alex back into, oh, sorry, into the live stream. We'll see if he's on air. He's, uh, nope, his camera must be turned off, but we'll wait for Alex there. We've got some other questions that have come in too from Cleo Vasilius from St. Monica's College in Epping. What's been your biggest challenge in your journey to get into the A-League? Some great questions that are coming in today. That's a good one. Um, I would say probably... I had two pretty, um, two pretty big setbacks. I think one was I had a pretty severe injury to my back. I had some stress fractures in my lower back um, when I was fifteen. Um, so that caused me to miss um, a good six to eight months of, uh, of football. And uh, yeah, it was just pretty hard um, watching sort of all my teammates play. And yeah. um, it feels like when um, you know, you're watching all the time. Everyone's just getting a lot better, and everyone's enjoying it so much more when you're not there. Um, so that was that was quite tough. But um, yeah, I definitely learnt that. Learnt some other things that you know, injuries are part of the sport, and um, or are part of any sport, and that you know you're going to have them. Um, yeah. And 
the way you bounce back from them is um, is just as important as when you are injury free. So I think that taught me a lot about having to look after my body better and um, so there's that. And then also, yeah, just being away from home like we spoke about earlier and living in Amsterdam for three years yeah. and um, dealing with um, highs and lows of football and, um, you know, learning how to take care of myself and be independent, you know, yeah. cooking, cleaning, all those skills. Um, yeah, that was a bit of a – not a wake-up call, but I guess a bit of a um, – yeah, it was it was it was tough. Um, you know, I was only seventeen, and um, when you when you're on the other side of the world, everything seems um, yeah a lot harder. <laughs> and two, you know, you, I've got so many questions coming in my mind, but I really want to give room for these students. But people don't understand that in Amsterdam, they're actually short days, a very short days. Like yeah. the sun goes up and it comes up and goes down in a short span of time, and that does impact you know how you feel about yourself and all of that as well so uh, kudos to you mate but we're going to go to ella lee ella lee's joined us now from strathmore north primary school how are you ella you're on ella oh hi how are you good how are you good do you like the sport of football soccer yes it's awesome (laughs) what do you love about it um i love the the game it's it's the competition and the competitive side. Nice. Good work. Now, what's your question for Sebastian Pasquale? Um, my question is, if you could go back and give your advice to your 12-year-old self, if he wanted to be a professional soccer player, what would your advice be? Great question. Um, yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it would be a great thing to You're be able to do, to go back to when I was 12 years old. Um yeah, I think it would just be like I sort of touched on before, just to um, not be so serious sometimes, you know, and just realize that um, you play soccer because you love it, and, um, and you know, if you if you really want want it to be a profession, um, it's going to be a long journey. So you don't really want to burn yourself out too early, and um, yeah, and just realize that there's also other things in life that are just as important as football um, that are ultimately going to make you better as well. Um, so, you know, that's your school, your education. And later on, you know, if you want to go to university as well, just to have that life balance and that, um, yeah, that sort of become a bit of a wholesome person. Um, and yeah. Great question there, Ella. While I've got you, I'm going to, I'm going to put a little bit of a spin on it. Um, for you. Sebastian, you talked a little bit about your injuries. Now, how do you keep the enjoyment factor when you're watching your mates, like you talked about, excelling and getting forward and, and you're just, you know, you, you need to stay seated or you need to recover and restore? What happens in a person when that happens? What happens in you? Um, I think I just become really, um, I try and become really disciplined in, in what I can do. So, whether that's my rehab training at the club, you know, I try and give 100% concentration and effort into that. And then when I do get to watch my team, I try and sort of get around them as much as I can and offer any advice that I think is necessary and be really encouraging and provide lots of positive energy. And um, I feel like that's how I can contribute to them when I'm not able to play or train. And, um, yeah, just as like if I was fit and someone else was injured, I, I would like that from them as well so brilliant. yeah brilliant hey thanks heath for joining us ella good luck with your football career
Thank you. Where do you want to take it one day? Um, I want to play from the Matildas. Nice. Good goal. Well, we'll be championing you and we'll be watching from uh, a distance and good luck in the future. Thank you. Some great questions that are pouring in. We've got a question here that's coming from Dale Marshall. I'll, I'll read it for you because it's sort of cut off on the screen there. But how did you feel coming onto the field in 2016 International Champions Cup against Juventus? You scored the winning penalty against a world-class team. How does that rate in your experiences so far? Like, that's got to be one of the best, surely. Yeah. it's. Um, <laughs> I may have forgotten about that one, but that was, um, <laughs> that was pretty... Uh, pretty big night um yeah yeah i was yeah it was pretty emotional to be honest like i was so excited and nervous at the same time but um i think like it's probably one of the one of the few nights actually that i had on a football pitch where like it was just everything just flowed and you know you weren't thinking about anything you were just sort of totally um engaged in the moment and in the game and um yeah, it's quite hard to explain. I think yeah. a lot of elite athletes probably experience it, um, you know, in their best games. But, um, yeah, aside from that, you know, the occasion being at the MCG and being against Juventus, um, if you combine all that, then, yeah, it was, it was quite, a, um, quite, a, quite a good memory and um, one that, um, you know, I do tend to think about from time to time and it just sort of um, sort of encourages me to keep going and to, um, one day hopefully get back and play against Juventus maybe at a, at a different club. Nice, nice. Now, I've got to say, I, I know you're not a self-promoter at all, but I think you're being a bit modest there that it's one of, when you said it's one of the few times everything worked. I've, I've watched you play, dude, and I think you play exceptionally well most games. So brilliant stuff. Just on experiences, one of my favourite memories of you, hopefully you haven't forgotten about this one, but... Kevin Musket, you're you part of victory. Kevin Musket calls you on to score the winning penalty in that game. How did that feel? Yeah, I think <laughs> from memory, like, you know, the, uh, Kevin um, just sort of, uh, you know, asked who wanted to take a penalty and I put my hand up straight away. And, like, <laughs> luckily I was right in front of him. So he <laughs> penciled me in for the fourth or fifth penalty, I think it was. And um, I was just glad that I wasn't first. Um, but, uh, yeah, no, I was... Um, I think it was a bit of a. I was a bit, a bit lucky to be within his eyesight, um, but uh, I actually missed a penalty a couple of days beforehand in training when we were doing practices. So I was actually surprised he uh, put me down for one. But um, yeah, no, I was, uh, I was pretty confident after after coming on and sort of. Yeah, I didn't think uh, I felt pretty unstoppable, so I just thought I'd give it a go. Brilliant stuff. Now, I mean, I've been watching soccer for a long time, and your, I, I, I knew your confidence was good, but. You know what that did in that moment. I, I think showed a lot of character for you because that was a make or break. Because as you would know, one of my heroes, Rossi, missed a penalty in the World Cup, never yeah. recovered from it, and now yeah. it's not the same. It's not a World Cup, but yeah. let's face it, it's a big moment for you, and and it didn't break you. It made you. You you came you came alive after that. So we've got Noah Grieve who's joined us here um, on the show. Noah comes to us from. G'day, Noah. How are you? You're from Hillcrest Christian College. How are you, buddy? I'm great. How are you? I'm from Mount oh, Waverley North. I'm um, actually from Mount Waverley North. Sorry, sorry, Waverley North. Uh, sorry, yes, Mount Waverley North. I'm sorry about that. Um, just talk to us about the game of football soccer. Do you love it? Oh, yeah, it's my dream. It's <laughs> basically my whole life. Nice. 
So you live, eat and breathe. Who's your favourite player besides Sebastian Pasquale, of course? My favourite player is Cristiano Ronaldo. Of, of course, who uh, has got such a massive signing coming. Hey, we've got some uh, great other guests coming on. What's your question for Sebastian? My question is, what setbacks have you had in your career and how have you overcome them? Yeah, good question. Um, well, I think probably the best one and most common one that I can give you is just injuries, I think. Um, can be quite frustrating, um, especially when, you know, football is your profession and, um, you know, I guess if you're, if you're working in an office or if you, you know, and you're injured, I think, you can still do your job, but when you're injured as a footballer, it sort of feels like you can't, you can't play and you can't get that enjoyment, which is why you play the game. And so, yeah, whether it's a one-week injury or a six-month injury, it um, it can feel like a, a year has gone by and you've missed out on so much, especially for me. Um, so, yeah, I think I try and deal with um, injuries, uh, you know, by knuckling down and concentrating 100% on getting my body back and getting my body right and doing everything that the physios and the coaches are asking of me to um, get back to full fitness. And sometimes um, you'll be asked to do nothing, completely nothing, not even touchable, not even walk, you know. And that's if that's what's required, then that's sort of – you have to learn that that's what you have to do and they've got um, your best interests at heart and, you know, sometimes you just have to listen and ask for help and – that's what's gonna. Um, if that's what's gonna get you back out there, then that's what you have to do. So, I've definitely learned that, and I still struggle with it now. But um, I think, yeah, I'm getting better at it, and I think, um, yeah, that's a good piece of advice that I can give to you. Is just if you do, if you do get injured, just make sure you do all the right things, so then you can get back out there quicker. Good work. That's a great question. Noah, how do you go with injuries? Me? Yeah. How do you go with injuries? Yeah, I'm pretty good. I'm not, I'm not really had a big injury so good. far. Fingers crossed. So where do you want to take football one day? Uh, I want to take it to playing for Ronaldo. <laughs> nice. Nice. Very good. Well, we're going to continue to champion you and and good luck out there at Mount Waverley North Primary School. We hope they're getting behind you as much as they possibly can as well. Thank you for having me. No worries. Some good questions coming in and there. I mean, I don't... Uh, I don't know if you realise how much of a following you've got, Sebastian. I think there's a whole bunch of people that follow you that you don't even know. got another question who's come in from uh, Ben Franku, and this is what he said. What key areas of football would you focus on or you think are the most important for a pro football player? Um, I think um, the mental side of the game is very underrated um yeah. i think it's um in the spotlight a lot more especially these last few years um but yeah i think it's very underrated and a lot of players don't actually think that they need to work on it or that it is something that can improve their game um you know and they can be things from being you know resilient um dealing with setbacks um you know thing doing things like meditation and mindfulness and how beneficial they can be. Um, there's a lot of things. Having a positive mindset, um, being able to deal with um, tough moments on the pitch. You know, whether you're having a bad game, how can you, um, you know, sort of stay um, 
hopeful in your head that you know things will turn and just sort of controlling learning to control what you can control um yeah i think that's a that's a pretty important um skill to have if you want to reach the top because when you get to the elite level everyone can play soccer everyone can play football everyone can pass a ball most people can pass it with both feet you know so you know everything gets narrowed in towards you know what what aren't people doing so you got to um you got to find the uh, the edge, I guess. So that's a great answer, and I think that's um, you're right. It is underestimated. It, 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 I'm I'm guessing, and correct me if I'm wrong. It must be tough, also, having to battle the the mindset around selection each week. Like, are you going to be selected? Uh, have you made the team? Kind of thing. Now, you've had a pretty. I think you've had a pretty amazing run um, with West United, but. You know, let's face it. Every week they pick the team, and you must be on tender hooks. Is that how it works? Yeah, but I think that's also part of it. Like, right. I wouldn't be comfortable if I knew I was going to play every week. Like, right. Because it, you know, you want to be kept on your toes. You want to make sure that you, you know, you're always fighting for a spot. You want to feel like you're fighting for a spot. Because then, when you do get picked to play, you know you deserve to play, and you know you and you know you're ready to play. So, what, what a mature response. That is a very mature answer, young man, to say that, you know, the, the you know, you, you want to stay on your toes. That's gorgeous. Now, we've got some other questions. We got to, um, we're going to get to Harry. Harry's got a question for us. Harry comes to us. Let me see where Harry comes to us. Harry comes to us from Ashburton Primary School. How are you, mate? I'm good. How are you? Got your gaming headset on there, I see. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, what do you love about football? Um, probably just the competition and it's just really fun and I really love it. So, Excellent. Where do you hope to take your football one day? Pardon? Where do you hope to take your football one day? Where do you hope to take it in the future? Um, uh, probably somewhere in Europe maybe, hopefully. Nice. Mum might not be happy about that, but we'll see. <laughs> hey, to, to, uh, what's your question for Sebastian? Um, my question is how many hours a day do you reckon you spend um, practising your soccer? Nice. Oh, it's a it's a hard one. I think um, you know when we're back in season and we're back training with at Western United at my club, um, we usually train from uh, ten o'clock on the field and we'll finish up probably by twelve. So that's two hours out on the field usually per day, um, and then we might have like a another session in the afternoon, which um, sometimes it's out on the field again, but it'll be a much shorter session, maybe an hour, that's it. Or we might be um, in the gym doing our strength training. So, yeah, I'd say when we're in season, it might be minimum of um, two hours each day. Um, and then we'll, um, yeah, usually have a bit of recovery or a bit of a rest um, for the rest of the day. Very good. Great question there, Harry. Thank you. No worries. Hey, thanks for joining us. We hope to see you in a future show. Yeah. Okay. See ya. See ya. Bye. Now, we've had another question come in. This one happens to be from my daughter who's sitting in a room back there, but she's a big follower of you as well. What's your favourite, most memorable game in your career? If you had to pinpoint one, what would that be? Yeah, I think... um... Hard to narrow it down we, to one. Well, we spoke about the Aventus game before. So I reckon um, 
if you backpedal maybe five weeks before that Juventus game, yeah, I actually played, um, and you know, maybe a few people will wonder why I'm saying this game, but I actually played a game for the youth team for Melbourne Victory nice. against um, Richmond. And it was my first start for the senior youth team. And in my opinion, this is this game actually sort of has gotten me where I am today because from that game, I actually I scored three goals in that game. And the following week, I was asked to train with the first team and then things led on from there. And I eventually did well in pre-season training with the first team and got to play against Juventus. Um, and then, you know, from that Juventus game, I played a few A-league games then got to go overseas. Um, so I think I, I, I like to think that, I, you know, that, that game against Richmond in the NPL on a cold Friday night sort of, um, yeah, definitely played a big part in where I am today. That's so good. Excellent. And this is why we love just exploring athletes like yourself because, you know, you get, you get the most random answers but the most wise answers as well. Uh, we've got a question here from Poppy O'Keefe from St. Bernard's in Wangaratta. You obviously know yep. Poppy O'Keefe, judging by your reaction. How important do you think it is to be able to use both feet equally, left and right? Yeah, I think um, <laughs> it's, a, it's a good little question. Um, yeah, it's pretty important, I guess, um, especially in the modern the modern game. Um all players are searching for the edge, like I spoke about before, and uh, being able to use both feet means that you know you've got an extra option to get out of trouble or to um, play different positions. I mean, if you're equally as good on your left foot, you know you might give you an extra position that you can play on the field, which is ultimately going to mean that you're going to play more minutes and play more matches, and means you can help the team in lots more different ways. Yep, very good. Good. Another question is coming from. Um... Eric Derek from Hillcrest Christian College. How did you cope with the pandemic in terms of training? Like, obviously things went into lockdown. What yep. did you do to to keep fit? Because there's anything I know about you, you're very disciplined, and training's really important to you. So how did you how did you cope? Um, yeah, I, I well, I got to say, I took full advantage of um, the. Um, one to two hours of physical <laughs> exercise um, outside per day. Um, but, yeah, I guess, like, I I really learned how to plan, like, my training sessions um, really well. So I used to plan it out so I could make, you know, full use of the time allocated and um, in, consulta- in consultation with um, the club coaches and physios who designed a bit of a training program for us. Um, you know, I was able to... Um, get out and make a bit of a routine of, of my day and I'm also lucky enough to have a bit of um, equipment here at home that I can use um, you know I've got a bit of a home gym set up so I can I was always using that in the afternoon and, and doing my fields training sessions in the morning and I think routine and um, is really important um, and being able to um, plan out your week so you know that you know you've got to maybe have a day off on the Wednesday so then you can train harder on the Thursday and Friday and then might have an easier session on the Saturday and then you might have Sunday off again um, yeah. to make sure that you can sort of keep up and keep keep fresh, you know, not only physically but mentally as well. And um, yeah. I think, yeah, it's really important um, to look after your mental health, which is um, 
become a big thing, especially uh, throughout the COVID pandemic. And um, uh, yeah. Before we get to Catherine, who's joined us from Middle Park, did did it surprise? Has it surprised you that aspect of the mental health? Has it been a bit of a blind side for you? Is it is it something that you've never thought about, but it kind of hit you? Um, no, I was sort of um, lucky enough to um, probably about twelve to eighteen months ago, sort of started to um, investigate more in that area of um, developing myself and improving myself. So nice. I was lucky. Yeah, I, I timed it pretty well. So. I was pretty well um, set up when um, the virus hit um, yeah. in that respect. But, um, yeah, it did definitely did um, affect a few people around me and a few of my teammates. So yeah. um, I was always – I was willing to help them. And, um, yeah, I think I was pretty lucky to have had that sort of education in that so I could help my teammates and um, anyone who needed a bit of a, bit of a hand. We're going to get to you helping teammates in a second, but we've got Catherine who's joined us from Middle Park Primary School. How are you, Catherine? Good, thank you. How are you? <laughs> We're good, thank you. Thanks for asking. So tell me, what's your question for Sebastian? Um, I have two, and one of them is, what stretches do you do before a game? Yep. Um, so I like to do what's called dynamic stretches. So ones where you're sort of you're not holding the stretch for too long because you sort of want to keep your, your, your muscles moving and your muscles warm because you're about to go out and run around so um lots of like things like leg swings and um maybe like some high knees and some heel flicks um yeah i think they're all sort of really good stretches to get you ready for for a game yeah very good you do you know the difference catherine between dynamic and static stretching yeah, dynamic, I think, is moving and static is just standing still. That's yeah, static, that's exactly right. Excellent. Okay, what's your second question for Sebastian? Um, what do you do to keep fit? Because I know you run a lot on the um, field. Uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so I think for us being footballers, um, we're pretty lucky because we have team training every day. So we get sort of we don't have to think about what we have to do for training we just sort of do it um everything's organized for us um but i think especially in the off season which we're in now um to keep fit we sort of have three or four running sessions per week that we do um so two of those might be sort of more longer aerobic based runs which is where you might run like up to f five kilometers i think um and then the other two running sessions will be more um, short, sharp stuff. So it might be like 100-meter sprints with a little bit of rest in between. Um, so that's – what's that? That sounds like fun. Yeah, they're, they're, they're more fun. The longer stuff is not fun. <laughs> um, I long-distance. Short distance isn't that fun. Oh, you don't reckon? Catherine actually <laughs> loves the uh, long-distance running, don't you, Catherine? Ah, yes. Yeah. Well, if you can learn to enjoy the longer stuff, then you're on the right path. Now, while Catherine's here, how many, approximately, approximately, how many kilometres or metres would you cover in a particular in an average game? Yeah, it's a good question. Um, probably ranges um, between eleven and thirteen kilometres yeah. yeah. per game. But um, yeah, yeah, for a midfielder, 
we sort of yeah. yeah we're expected to be able to you know get around the pitch a bit so yeah yeah the mid the midfield is the one the 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 group the section however you want to call it yeah. the players that run the most right they yeah. have to cover the most yeah yeah definitely yeah. thanks heaps for joining us Catherine it's always a pleasure to have you on the show and thanks for answering my questions no worries bye. bye. Great question. Now, let's just, we've got some great comments coming in. You're so inspiring. You're probably seeing that as well and on Facebook as well. But look, we're going to get to, um, in terms of you being a, a midfielder, we've got a question, another question that's coming from Dale Marshall. As an attacking midfielder, who are your heroes and who did you lean on? Uh, who, sorry, who do you lean on as mentors now, either in football or beyond? Yeah, cool. Um, I, I sort of... Um, look at a lot of players um, these days, like when I was young, I sort of used to idolise and focus on one or two, but now I sort of like to look more across the board and try and take things away from every player that I sort of, you know, is at that world-class level, you know, there's, to name a few, I mean, you got Sergio Busquets at Barcelona, Luka Modric at Real Madrid, Thiago at Liverpool, I mean, the list goes on how many top uh, midfielders there are in the world, so I think it'd be It'd be a little bit naive if you were just to pick one and um, try and copy him because no one is the complete player. No one has every skill. So I think it's really important to be able to take little things away from each player and try and add them into your game slowly. Um, Yeah, and just the other part of that question, I think um, mentors that I have now, um, I sort of of look at... um, Definitely my immediate family's mentors, so my mum, dad and my brother. Um, and just sort of the what they do day to day is pretty it's pretty special and I think as elite sportsmen you can sort of get caught up in thinking that um, football is everything, but I mean just the people who work in normal jobs are also pretty special and how they can balance everything and keep themselves healthy and fit as well is really important. Um, and if, you, if I look at sort of a footballing mentor, I think, Lots of, pretty much every coach that I have has sort of mentored me in some way, so I'm pretty lucky to be able to have really good relationships with my coaches and, and even teammates are sort of, especially the older, sort of more experienced teammates, I definitely look at them as mentors and try and um, ask them as many questions as I can and learn as much as off them as I can. Which is so good. Now, you know, I, I happen to have the inside scoop because I work with your mum, so I won't talk too much about it because she will actually hammer me for talking about it, but... You know, they, they've done, they've sacrificed so much and, and I admire the relationship you have with your mum and dad and your brother. I think it's really uh, beautiful to see the, the family, um, just how well you get along. How was that being three years overseas? How did you cope with that? Because, you know, mum and dad weren't around as much. What happened in you? Um, yeah, I think I just learned to appreciate when I did have them around a lot more and, um learn how important it is to keep in touch with your family and your friends um even if you're on the other side of the world you know with technology these days it's quite easy um yeah but you know sometimes you can sort of just get a little bit lazy with those sort of things but um you know you you just got to realize that anyone even nowadays is just a phone call or a text message away and um they're always willing to listen and hear your problems and try and help you as much as they can and and look 
if there's any, if there's so many silver linings out of you being overseas, but if there's a big silver lining, it's the fact that it hasn't happened now because they wouldn't, they came over and visited you so often, but they yeah. wouldn't have been able to come yeah. see you. That, no, that would have right. been very hard for them not to connect. Yeah. Being over there for three years, you know, it's a, it's a big thing. This is my opinion and it's only my opinion, but, you know, if you line up 100 players in football, soccer, you can tell the ones that have been overseas and spent some time overseas to the ones that haven't. My opinion. Regarding the Socceroos, you know, do you think there's um, a different kind of athlete that's created when they are forced to go overseas and play in the blistering cold and be away from mum, dad, family and all that sort of stuff? Do you think it creates a different person? Yeah, I think so. Um, uh, that's not holding against anyone who hasn't gone overseas or, um, you know, sometimes it just doesn't happen. You just you, you do need a certain amount of luck and um, to be able to get that opportunity to go to Europe and play in Europe um, at any level. I mean, it's, it's difficult and um, I think, yeah, it does give you a bit more of a perspective on, on how big football is and, and, how, and how competitive a sport it is. Um, mm. I feel like the culture... Um, in a lot of other countries in Europe and across South America and across, I mean, even Asia. I mean, the culture of football is possibly a lot more intense than it is in Australia just because, you know, Australia, we have, you know, we're the sporting capital of the world. We have every sport mm. and um, there's a lot of different things happening all the time. So I think um, maybe soccer is, um, not intense for as long, but in uh, in Europe and yeah, where I was in in Holland, um, it's pretty uh, it's pretty big and it's pretty um, means a lot to even you know the local uh, cafe owners or the bakery or you know they're they're always talking about it and they live and breathe it. So that experience was definitely uh, pretty cool. Um, and yeah, I think it does sort of. Um, harden you a little bit as a person and uh, make you realize that it is a little bit it can be a little bit um dog eat dog sometimes mm -hmm. and you just got to get through that yeah yeah very true and i mean i haven't traveled extensively overseas i've been to four, four or five countries but it's a like here a football team's the thing you do you follow an afl team but overseas it seems that most other countries having a, a football soccer team is is part of that as well Rennie Edwards has asked an interesting question. Do you think you are where you are today due to hard work or natural ability or a combination of both? Um, yeah, I think hard work for me. Um, I sort of, yeah, feel like I've, I've, I've worked pretty hard to get to where I am today and um, definitely, you know, you sort of do need a, a little bit of natural ability as well to sort of... Um, can only really shine though if you if you have put the work in and you have um, worked hard. Um, yeah, it's it's a big topic though to talk about because um, there's you know if you talk about players at the top of the game at the moment, one being Lionel Messi, I think everyone sort of views him as getting to where he is because of his natural ability. But I don't think so. I think everyone has to work hard. Yeah, you know, and everyone does have a certain level of natural ability if they've gotten to where they are. But hard work keeps you at the top. 
Yeah, I mean, it's it's one of those things that when you were growing up and, and in the Team Vic, there would have been a portion of time, uh, some years where natural ability would have been, you know, part of it. But then your mates catch up, you know, everyone starts growing around you and that's where the hard work comes. And interesting you mentioned Lionel Messi. I mean, I don't, I don't know if you know the story that just recently he wanted to leave Barcelona because he was going to be signed with, I think it was Man United. And the figure was something ridiculous, like $1.1 billion. That That's the first time that a player in that sport has been signed at that level. I just can't even fathom how much that is. Yeah. No, it's a, yeah, money's a pretty big thing in football these days. And I think, you know, for players like him, it doesn't really, it probably doesn't really bother him too much about the money because he, he just enjoys football and, He's pretty um he's pretty content of where he's at Barcelona, I think, and he's at a pretty good club and um, yeah. you know, they're probably not in the most successful period at the moment, but with them it's only really around the corner. Um, so very true. Yeah. Now I could speak to you for hours, mate, but we're short we're fast running out of time. We've got a couple of questions, but I want to touch on something important. You were overseas, um, you know, signed with AX, but you don't only try to better yourself as you know as a physical professional athlete. You try to better yourself as a person too. Tell us about some of the stuff you did on a voluntary basis over while you were over there. Yeah, so I was pretty lucky. The club had um, close ties with um, uh, a group called Only Friends in Holland, which um, yeah, they were um, you know kids ranging from six to early early teens. Um, and they could be kids from difficult backgrounds, um, kids with disabilities, um, you know, and we would, um, as players, we would um, go there and run, like, clinics and, and games for them um, for a few hours each day and sort of just basically just make their day as, as good as possible. And um, I, I quite enjoyed doing that because it just mm-hmm. sort of gives you a, yeah, gives you a bit of perspective on um, on life and just makes you feel really really warm as a person being able to help someone and make someone else happy. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, I did that a, a little bit as, or as much as I could. And um, Was yeah. that tough leaving them behind and having to come home and saying goodbye and cutting the ties there? Was that hard? Um, I think so. I mean, it was, it was quite, um, yeah, it was quite easy to make relationships with those kids because um, you sort of just really wanted to, give them all your time and energy as much as you could. Um, and I think even though it might be a new kid every week that you'd spend time with, like um, you felt like, you know, all that, I think they felt like, you know, they were, you, you were their best mate straight away. <laughs> so that was quite hard. You know, they, they wanted to hold your hand and sort yeah. of uh, run around with you, which was, um, yeah, that sort of was, they were, they were pretty special memories. But um, I think, yeah, I think, I think it was just sort of the next, the next person's job now when um when um when you leave a football club that, that does those sort of things and yeah. at Western United um we definitely do those things as well out in the yeah. community with we engage a lot with schools and um community centers and and uh, we're hoping that we can start that up again when um the restrictions get eased and nice. we can start doing some clinics and some volunteering and get out and do some signing sessions as well with kids um you know that's sort of a big part of being a footballer is trying to become a really uh, responsible and mature role model for them. That's very good. Now we're going to get to a couple of last questions. I mean, 
I, I really look forward to I love hearing that because you're such a good role model, Seb, seriously. Mel Camilleri said this. I'll, I'll read it out for you because it's, again, cut off on the screen. As a player, confidence is very important. What's your advice for a player who's had a couple of bad games, confidence has dropped, and they've been overthinking every decision they make on the field? And I should say Mel Camilleri is one of our very valued staff members at SSV. Um, and loves the game of football as well. She's a fantastic player and she knows you well. <laughs> yeah, no, she knows me too well because I <laughs> suffer from that quite a bit, um, overthinking yeah. things. And I think, yeah, the biggest thing to realise is like you're, you're sort of the next moment is the only thing that you can focus on. And yeah, um, I think I sort of hate, I shouldn't use the word hate, but I, don't, I dislike it when... Um, you know, you're told after you make a mistake or after yeah. you have a bad game or something that, you know, you should just keep it simple in your next game and just build your confidence back up because I think that's just sort of um, – it's just a waste of time, really. You sort of just want to be able to give 100% in the next moment straight away because yeah. every moment's different. Every game's different. You should never sort of dwell on the past or um, because every opportunity that you get is sort of an opportunity to be the best you can and um, – yeah, it should, football should never be about keeping your spot in the team or, um, you know, sort of being the best player on the pitch because ultimately that's it's very hard to achieve every week. Mm. So you sort of just got to be able to be comfortable with um, giving 100% in every moment and every game and every training session and I yeah. think you sort of find the balance. And it would be fair to say too that, as I mean, I'm not an athlete, but I know, you know, humans are the same, is that whenever we're told something that we've done wrong, there, there's no light bulb moment. We already know that we've done mm. wrong. We already know that we've done something bad or shouldn't have done it. So whatever they're telling you is just confirming what you're already telling yourself. And, mm. you know, you're you're a very driven young man and you want to be the best and do the best. And so, you know, if there's something that you pick up in your game, I'm sure that you're you're able to push on how do you dust it off though how do you get to a point where you go okay that was a bad game come into the next game and just put it behind you what what do you, do you block it completely no nah, blocking it sort of by the time you block it you've already thought about it you know <laughs> so like i think you just sort of just gotta you just gotta be able to um deal with the thoughts you know you sort of yeah. gotta be able to like um you know if you if you've just made a bad pass or something like and then you sort of start spiralling and thinking, oh, you know, I'm having a bad game. Like if you try and just block that thought out, like it's, it's too late, you know, like yeah. because if there's a game where, you know, you can't block it out, then you're sort of, you're sort of stuffed, I think, in a yeah. way. Yeah. So you just sort of got to be able to like deal with those thoughts and realise that it's just, it's normal. Every player thinks about it like that. So Yeah. Now a couple of last questions. One from Ben Franku. Is there something you say to yourself when the pressure is getting to you so that you can refocus and stay calm during the game. And this actually leads perfectly into what you just said. So what do you tell yourself? What What are the things you tell yourself? Oh, I think just being able to be um, really fearless in your mind and realise that, yeah. you know, you're on the pitch for a reason because you're a good player. So there's no there's no reason to doubt your ability. I mean, if you've, if you've trained hard and you put the work in, like it's only the, like the, the next best best moment in the game is just around the corner you just got to be yeah. um confident that you know it will it will be a successful one yep very good there's some great questions now look what where to 
for you next? What's next for Sebastian Pasquale? Look, you're studying exercise science, which is brilliant. Um, but, you know, fast forward 10 years from now, what would you love to see yourself have achieved without putting pressure on yourself? What What do you want to achieve? Um, I think it'd be really special to be able to represent the Socceroos. Um, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, that's definitely a, a big um, a big long-term goal. And I think also um, maybe get, get back over and, and play in Europe one day as well and, um, yeah, play first-name football in Europe. I think that would be pretty special. Um, and I think sort of maybe a bit a bit shorter term, I think um, have, a, have a bit of success with Western United. I mean, we finished off last season um, pretty well. I mean, we just got pipped at the post in the semi-final, but I think we're definitely building something special and we've got a really good group of players and hopefully we can, um, you know, achieve something this season and, you know, get back up there. Pretty, but, you know, I, I know you've probably heard this a million times, but I'm just going to repeat what you've already heard. West United, debut year, makes the finals. Who would have thought that that is quite an extraordinary um, achievement for both yourself and for the team? W- would you agree that you surely the feedback you're getting from the club is that the fans are loving it? Yeah, I think we, we probably have a pretty unique set of fans, um, being from the Western Melbourne. I mean, yeah. They're relatively hardworking, hardworking people, and we. I think we mirror that as players on the field and the way we play. Um, so I think that's sort of why they could resonate so well with us. Um, and yeah, we were just just happy to make them proud, really, and, and get to the semis. I mean, we were pretty um, disappointed that we couldn't make the grand final, but you know that's 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 in the past now. So we can only sort of have a have a good start to the season this year and get a good preseason in our legs and um, yeah, get back there. It was a, but you know, yes, of course you would have been disappointed. Anyone would have, but it was a ripper game to watch. Like you yeah. guys played your heart out and um, unfortunately got pipped on that day. But look, um, at, we've just loved um, having you on the show and we've loved championing you and, and watching you grow up as this young little guy who's now such a mature man. And, and we're going to continue from an SSB perspective, not just because mum works for us, but the fact that you are quite an extraordinary role model and an amazing player. And we're going to continue to be proudly supporting you as one of one athlete who's come through our pathway. And we just love watching you and, and celebrating all your achievements, mate. And we have no doubt your future is very bright. Who knows how long you stay at West United, but, you know, when you say, I hope to represent Australia with the Socceroos one day, I have no doubt that's going to happen. Yep, thank you. Thanks for having me. It's been a <laughs> no pleasure. Worries. No worries. Thanks, Heath, for joining us, and we uh, look forward to seeing what the future holds for you, buddy. Awesome.